Good morning, and welcome to Faithbrook Church. My name is Josh Friesen, and I serve as a volunteer here at Faithbrook. Whether you're attending in person or online, we're so thankful and excited that you're here. If you're newer here to Faithbrook, we don't want you to feel like just a number. We would love to get to know you. In the seat in front of you, you'll find a blue connection card. If you fill that out and put it in one of our giving boxes as you leave, we'll reach out to you and thank you for coming. Everyone at Faithbrook deserves to be known. Our mission is to love God, love people, and journey together. We've been loving people this month by partnering with our Next Gen Ministries to collect items for Operation Christmas Child. Some of you have already brought items in, but just a heads up, next weekend is your last opportunity to bring in your donation items. So be sure to check our website or the table in the lobby for details. We're so excited to support our next generation's efforts to pack boxes for kids around the world. Well, in just a second, we'll welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we begin our brand new series, Faithful. And uh, now you can hear me. Usually when you're out there, they ask you, hey, what can I bring you to drink? And uh, for most of us, we're like, hey, let's, we'll take some waters, right? There's just nothing like a nice, refreshing a glass of water. And, and they come uh, there. Uh, Terry and I, we, we personally like the water option, right? And especially my wife. Because through the years, we have realized that we have uh, different hydration needs, uh, it seems like I, I was just built that I don't need that much water. I can eat a whole meal, take a couple of sips, and somehow I survive. I must be a water camel or something. I'm not sure. But my wife, Terry, she's totally opposite. I mean, she needs a lot of hydration. I mean, during a meal, man, she will like uh, be drinking some water, drinking some water, right? And if that waiter or waitress does not keep her glass full, it's just kind of agitating. In fact, sometimes she's like, man, I'm really thirsty. Can I use your water? I'm, I'm sure you can have, have, have my water, right? But where is the waitress? We need that uh, kept full. Uh, can you imagine if a, a waiter or waitress came and said, well, here you go. Welcome to our restaurant. And just kind of served you with a, half, a glass half full. You'd be thinking, man, that's kind of odd, right? I'm going to get thirsty. That's probably not enough. What kind of service is, is this going on? Well, can I suggest something to you today that a lot of times, spiritually, we operate just half full. A lot of times we get close to empty when it comes to our spiritual life. And we have found that life can be depleting. It can be draining. And if we're not careful, we're walking around just kind of weak, just kind of uh, thirsty, uh, not really strong in our spirit, in our life, just living half full. And that's why we have this series is inspired, Faithful, to be full in Christ, because 
Fueling your faith in an empty world can be a challenge. And I'm so glad that you have come on this beautiful weekend here in Minnesota. Woohoo, right? It's MEA weekend. And I know many of you are watching online. Uh, if you're our guest, maybe this is your first time. I uh, hope you feel comfortable here. We're just all about uh, helping people be introduced to Jesus Christ, living in a, in a uh, world with Him. So uh, good to have you today. So, Life can be pretty depleting, right? I mean, we just got all kinds of things coming after us. We got this incredible um, uh, election coming up that's just kind of exhausting, right? We got pressures and we got disappointments. We got challenges. And, and a lot of times our soul, our emotions can just be kind of drained. And, and we're not thriving. We're not doing well in our spirit and our soul. Uh, sometimes we go to church and, and church people can let us down. We kind of just kind of subconsciously are hoping that we can find those real authentic Christian people that seem to have their faith that is full, uh, that they're enjoying life, right? They, they, they have something to say, uh, that they seem to have a confidence and a faith uh, in, in them. And, and sometimes it's hard to find. It seems like a lot of Christians sometimes are just, yeah, I'm, I'm just barely making it, right? Uh, I, I, I can't tell you the last time I read the word or God spoke to me, right? I'm hurting too, and, and we can easily be let down. And I would suggest a lot of times our faith cannot compete to a draining world, an empty world that, that's all puffed up, but there's not much substance there. And we're trying to just go through lives and deal with relationships and handle all our responsibilities. And before we know it, our spiritual life, it's just kind of blah. It's just kind of like half full. We're going through the motions, but we're not alive in Christ and the things that he wants to have us in our life. Have you ever noticed sometimes you can be thirsty spiritually? Is God truly out there? Does he have something to say to me? Can I come alive in my soul? And what would that look like if we were fully alive and full with Christ? What would our countenance be? How would we view life and others and, and ourselves if we were full in Christ? So one of the foundational questions that we're going to be looking at is what can fuel our faith in an empty world? What can fuel our faith in an empty world? And I'm going to submit to you the next six weeks, there's six elements that can fuel our faith, six of them. And we're going to start today by looking at one, one of the most powerful elements that we have to grapple with that can get us full, and that is to awaken to the power of God's word. To awaken the power of God's word. Now, this used to be called the Bible, right? This is the word. Uh, this, was, this is a hard copy. You remember this, right? Now we, we have the word, God's voice, uh, electronically, and a lot of us have Bible apps on our phone, and we can even hit it audibly, right, and listen to the, the Bible. But God's word is out there that can help us be fully alive and speak to us. There's something... Um, powerful about looking and reading and hearing from God's word. It is his voice. And if we take time, it can impact us. It can improve us. It can change us. The writer of Hebrews kind of brings this about in chapter four, where he says, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the divided souls and the spirit joints and marrow. 
It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Oh, it seems to hey, I, I can't hear God audibly, but we can hear God through his word. And it can pierce us. It can change us. It can impact us, our hearts and our attitudes. Now, a lot of times, we're not sure if we want to be impacted by God's word, if we were honest, right? Maybe consciously or subconsciously, we kind of avoid God's word. We, we know it's out there, but sometimes we don't want to read it because, you know, we're afraid what it's going to uh, challenge us to do. <laughs> Someone said, you know, the word can set us free, but first it's going to make us uncomfortable. And we find that sometimes, that there's going to be some convictions there. There's going to be some uh, situations that we have to step up or a step away, and, and that's not always easy. But the Word of God is powerful and can help us to live a full life in Christ. Now, if you're human, which all of us are, we have a tendency just kind of to, to uh, slumber. We have a tendency to draw away, to um, slide away from God instead of being fully alive. I appreciate the, the Apostle Paul. He found this in the early church of Thessalonica. They, they claimed to be Christians. They probably made a decision for Christ, but he found and heard that they were kind of sliding back and they were kind of drifting. And so he writes this letter, First Thess- Thessalonica. And one of the things he says in this, this book, he says, man, God is coming back. Uh, we, we have to be uh, uh, awake to this. He's going to come back like a thief in the night. And friends, I want to just share with you that, that God is still coming back. And so he kind of warning them to, to be alive, to be full in their faith. And he writes this in the fifth chapter. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the darkness so that this day should not surprise you like a thief. He's speaking about this, this return of Christ. You are all children of the light. And children, I love this phrase, children of the day. This is our identity. This is what he wants them to to get. And then he goes, he starts contrasting who you're going to be. Are you going to be a person of the darkness of night or children of the day, the, the light? We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober Let's, let's embrace it, right? Let's embrace fully who Christ is and what our identity is. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, they, they get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, huh, let us be sober. That word sober means to be focused. Let's be intentional, right? Putting on, and this is what he talks about, what we want to put on or what we want to fill up, right? We want to fill up uh, faith, and love as the breastplate, and what else? Hope of salvation as a helmet. This, 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 this love, this faith, this hope, right? For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation, oh yeah, through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's hoping that they realize, hey, you need to be full of God's word and full of Christ, now, sometimes it's easy to slumber, right? There's just so many distractions out there, so many exciting things. And, and we just kind of put God's good book and God's word and, and maybe Christ himself over to the side, right? And before you know, it, you just kind of have this uh, kind of mediocre kind of Christianity, this kind of faith, right? Uh, it's kind of trendy uh, not to really just hone down on, on something. And, but we all will kind of claim that we're kind of Christian, 
right? If you, if you went to your neighbors and asked them, are you, are you a Christian? A lot of them will say, oh, yes, I'm, I'm Christian. Oh, why are you Christian? Well, um, I, I was taken to church. I was baptized when I was an infant. Uh, that's just kind of our heritage, right? Uh, some people say, well, I'm a Christian because I believe in God. Mm, well, do, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Yeah, I, I, I believe in that guy, uh, Jesus Christ. But is that enough to make us authentic? Is that enough to get us full? Is that what Paul's talking about, the children of the day, full of him? And isn't it true that the devil believes in God, right? Isn't it true intellectually the devil believes in Jesus Christ? So that could mean that it has to be more than just intellectual belief, just kind of pseudo-Christianity, that we're kind of there someplace, right? And if people looked at our life, we'd have a little bit of Christianity, but we're not full of faith and full of him. Could I offer you this, that the belief and faith are two different things? See, I, I believe that somewhere we got to move from just believing intellectually or having good thoughts or even being a good person to actually acting out the, what Christ calls things of the faith. Uh, a, a lot of times uh, we just hope that we're Christian. A lot of times we just hope that we're, we're going to be okay with Christ, but we need faith to actually put into action. Uh, for instance, you know, uh, you could sit around and say, well, I have faith that I'm going to get that degree. I'm going to have faith that I'm going to finish that basement. I'm going to have faith that uh, we're going to have a wonderful meal at our home tonight, right? Or I'm going to have a faith that I'm going to get that job. Well, some, somewhere you've you got to put action to it, right? You've got to apply. You've got to get up off of the sofa. You've got to do something about it. I, I like how Andy Sandley says, when we believe... But don't do, our dreams don't come true. I mean, how many times have we tried to tell this to our children, right? You can hope you're going to get some good grades, but you need to do something to get good grades. When we believe and don't do, hey, not many good things are going to happen. So somewhere spiritually, we got to, to pour into our life the word of God, that, that our faith is not just half full, it's just not pseudo or going through the motions, but be full of Christ, fully alive in him. So to be full of faith, you have to be full of God's word. Somewhere, you got to let God's word pour into your life that it can fill you spiritually. And the byproducts of being filled spiritually pour down into our emotions and our mindset, even our body set when we are full of his word and full of Christ. Now, this, this word is going to be um, taking, to, taking you or focusing on somebody and something. And that person is, is Christ. Somewhere, Jesus and his word has to become the central part of our life. That, that he is the, he's the main person that the Bible speaks about and the main person that is in our life. That he is central to our being. We, we start to fall in love with him. We start putting him first place in our life and it starts changing us. Our convictions, our behaviors, our, our attitudes, our outlook. Now this is where it gets a little dicey because most people would like to just have a kind of an ambiguous kind of faith. Uh, sometimes they don't mind being really uh, central to Jesus because then it's kind of like popular, just like, well, 
you know, all paths lead to the same God. I really don't have to identify a certain religion. I'm just a good person and I'm a spiritual person. But, you know, if I have to identify one central trait, uh, that's where it gets a little bit tough, right? But Jesus is always looking. The Bible's always going to be pointing us to Jesus as a central figure of our faith. The person. You go from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's all going to be about Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus also was looking for this, and he's looking for this in your life. There's a story in Luke 9. It says, when Jesus was praying in private and the disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? In other words, man, he, he's becoming popular. The miracles are happening. So he's just kind of doing a little survey to his followers. Hey, what are they saying out there? Who do they say I am? Because he's going someplace with them. He's got a little agenda here. They, they reply, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. And still others say you're the one the prophets long ago had ago has come back to life. Mm, these, are, these are pretty good, right? And then he asked him this pivotal question. But what about you? Who do you say I am? Now, it just wasn't for those disciples 2,000 years ago. It was for us to, who do you say I am? This is pivotal. And Peter got the answer right when he said, God's Messiah. Peter's like, I know who you are. You are God in the flesh. You are the Messiah that the Old Testament's talked about. You're the real deal. You are God. This is where the word when it fills our life, takes us to. That somewhere we have to come to grips with who Jesus is. And the word is always going to point to him, that he has to be the pillar, the center of our faith. That there is a, a romance with him. There is an allegiance to him. There is a priority with Christ. Because he starts becoming the object the pivotal point of what we believe and who we are. We start to trust him, right? Uh, we start to gravitate to him. And somewhere, it's hard to just kind of have a belief and a kind of a nominal faith, but somewhere the word is going to convict and say, am I going to be first in your life? Are you going to ultimately trust in me? It's kind of like, uh, do you believe in, in flying on airplanes? Hopefully many of you would say, yes, I, I believe that. Uh, you're actually going to get in the airplane and go like uh, 10,000 uh, feet in the air and trust that little thing, right, without falling out of the sky? Well, sure I am. Well, somewhere you got to go from belief to faith. So you get on that airplane, you get in there, and you get all these things settled, and they said, ladies and gentlemen, prepare yourself for takeoff, right? And right about that moment, you start buckling up, and those thrusters come in, man, and that jet starts going down that deal, and you start, I don't know about you, but I get a little nervous. I'm like, man, this thing's not going fast enough. Let's get this thing rolling, right? And it's rumbling and shaking, right? And all of a sudden, boom, those Gs take off, and you're going up, and you're putting your full trust in the engineers of that Aerosmith, uh, Aero uh, Agency that made that fuselage hang together and those thrusters, and you're like, yes. You, put, you went from just believing to faith in the mechanics and the engineering of that plane, that it will take up and off, right? This is what Jesus Christ wants for your life. Yes, I love you. You have a belief in me, but somewhere we got to put me as first place in your life. We see indications in the word of God, like Jesus is traveling with his disciples. And uh, he says, now, gentlemen, I'm, I'm going to be leaving you. 
right? And that makes him really nervous. And you talk, what are you talking about, right? Uh, you're going to leave us, right? And he says this to them in John 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Now, when he says you believe in God, he knew that they believed in God. These were nice little Jewish people, boys, young men that they grew up in the Jewish tradition, right? And went to synagogue and stuff. They, they believed in Jehovah God of the Old Testament. They had that down. But then he said this pivotal statement, believe also in me. Somewhere you got to go from the your religion of your parents, this vague kind of faith of God, big guy up in the sky someplace, you got to believe in me. I've been traveling with you for t- three years now. I've been proven that I am God's son. I am God. These miracles and these teachings, right? Because Jesus was the clear picture of God. The, the word of God tells us is that if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. And a lot of times we're not sure who God is. We, we have Old Testament stories and somebody said this and there's movies out there and stuff. But Jesus is like, hey, if you want to know who God is, watch me. Read who I am. Learn from me. This is God. It's not a God of our imagination. It's, it's not something we just hope and thought. But Jesus Christ resembles who God is. It is God in the flesh. He's a perfect representation of God the Father. And this is what the Word of God does. It's always going to show us that Jesus Christ is a central figure of our faith. And somewhere we have to go from just believing and thinking and hoping to Jesus, you are the one. You are the one that came to our world. You were a perfect human being. At the same time, you were divine in God. You did not sin. You allowed yourself to be hung on a cross and you died a cruel, suffocating, crucifying death. But you didn't stop there. You authenticated yourself by three days later, raising from the dead, claiming that you are the one. Somewhere we have to get to that point. Say, God, it's more than just a religion. It's more than just a belief. It's more than even just knowledge of what's in the Bible, but to put our faith in a person. I was introduced to a... uh, former Buddhist this, this last week at the gym. And this person's like, you got to hear his story and, and share. And of course, uh, this, this gentleman came from Vietnam in those days. And there are all these refugees. And, and, they, they, and he was so thankful that they, they had brought to America and started a new life several years ago. And he was sharing that he grew up kind of in the, the Buddhist tradition and praying. And that was kind of his religion, right? But the war came on and they were running for their life. And people helped him get to America. And so they kind of settled in Minnesota. And and there was this wife, right? And they were just kind of up in arms. And it wasn't, they weren't sure what to do. And somebody reached out to his wife and said, you need to come to this church. And his wife started attending this Christian church, right? And, and she started uh, getting involved and, and believing in this Christian religion. And he says, I, I wasn't sure about that. And so, so I needed some help. And, and I was all kind of mixed up. So I just started praying, God, if, if this Christian God, if you're real, then you got to show yourself. You got, you got to prove yourself because my parents taught me to kind of pray to in this Buddhist kind of thinking and religion. And, and, and so I, I just asked God, if you're real, uh, then make yourself clear. And sure enough, he says, there's miracles that started happening. 
My, my wife's countenance and faith, just her, her emotions started getting better, and I noticed that, and, and then I was dragged along the church, and I started hearing that preacher guy, and he would open up the Bible and make it really clear and understandable to me, and it just seems like uh, God started drawing me, and things started, started to make sense. And eventually, I would put my entire faith in Jesus Christ and believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior for my sins, but also the central figure of my life. He says, looking back on the two different religions, he says, you know, Buddhism, you wasn't praying to a person. It was just kind of just a vigorous kind of thought that you were supposed to pray to alleviate all the desires of your life. So hopefully you could get in this state of nirvana that you're just kind of like without desires, right? At the same time, I'm human. At the same time, there's pressures and there's relationships and stuff. And it it just wasn't working, right? To just walk around as a zombie with no desires. But when I heard about Jesus and fell in love with Jesus... This religion, this faith had a person, it had a central figure that I knew who I was talking to. He was alive and he spoke to me just with, and, and personally, but also through this book. Buddhism doesn't have a book like this that shares about this real live historical person and his life was changed. See, his paradigm starts shifting. Instead of having a little faith, ambiguous faith, and maybe a faith, right? It started to become a full faith. And now he's fully alive in Christ and doing well and excited about his, his faith in Christ. See, the word challenges us to ultimately trust in him. See, the Bible is going to always be pointing to Jesus, right? Pointing to Jesus that he is the one true living God. We have to make up our mind, right? Are we going to half believe that or are we going to fully believe that, right? But at the same time, Jesus is always going to be pointing back to us. Do you have faith in me? Do you trust in me? It's interesting that in the Greek, they don't have the word trust. They don't have that word in the Greek. They have the word faith. Uh, so we, 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 a lot of times are like, I understand faith, but really it boils down to trust. Can I trust God uh, to see me through? And Jesus was always looking for people that would have great trust in him, great faith in him. In fact, there's a wonderful story in Matthew 8 about this Roman centurion, uh, this officer in the Roman, op- uh, in the Roman army that had some trouble. Uh, back home, he had a, a servant that was dying. Uh, he was endeared to the servant, and he brought in the doctors, and nobody could help him, and it looked bleak, but at the same time, he heard about Jesus. In fact, he was kind of tracking Jesus. He was intrigued by this, this guy from Nazareth who was coming and doing miracles. He's claiming that he's Messiah. He's claiming that he's the real deal. And, and so this centurion is kind of watching him and seeing these miracles. All of a sudden, back at home, he's got a problem with one of his top servants, and he's dying. And so he goes to Jesus in Matthew 8 and gets an audience with Jesus. And, and pleads his case, says, I, kn- I know who you are. I've been watching you, right? And I know you can do these miracles. And, and I got this servant back home that's just is really about to die. If you could help him, right? I know you could help him. And Jesus said, well, do you want me to go to him? And the centurion says, no, not necessarily. I don't need you to go for him. Really? He says, you know, Jesus, I know that you're a man of authority. And I'm a man of authority. I know what that is. If I just say to my, my soldiers under me, do it, and, and they will do it. I just snap my fingers, they make it happen. You're that type of person. 
And all you have to do is speak the word. And I know back home, that servant would be healed. And Jesus was blown away. Are you kidding me? And he says to everybody, this man, he's not even a Jew. He's a, he's a Roman centurion. Has got it. He's put his full trust in my ability that I, whatever I say, I am God. I can move mountains, right? I can create the universe. And if I just speak it, it happens. Nobody else is at that level. That's the man. He has more faith than anyone now. And he says, your servant is healed. And it was done. See, this trust thing is so important to our faith. Trust is a currency of relationships. You fall in love with someone, then you're really believing that you can trust them. They're going to be honest with you. You can count on them. And this is where Jesus wants us to go. And this is really the tough times sometimes because we, we've been seeing a counterfeit Christianity. We've been let down by this person and that preacher. And, and we're like, well, if that's Christianity by that person, uh, then I, I'm out, right? I can't go there, right? I've been hurt and all this kind of stuff. She's like, I'm, I'm not them, right? I'm me. Put your trust in me. Uh, put me as central in your life. What if we have that kind of full faith in him? that we completely trusted him. Uh, Would we pray differently? Would we uh, live differently? Do you think we would would give differently or or serve differently if we were full of faith and faith in Christ Jesus, the currency of our relationship? I was um, encouraged the other day when there was a a young um, businessman and he was sharing that his faith had to get more full. And somewhere he had to start trusting God more. And the word of God came alive to him and kind of spoke into his life that he needed to um, spend more time at home. The boss was always asking for more. And he realized that, that if he was going to live his best life, that he had to have some margin. He, he had to stop being so busy. And so once again, the, 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 his supervisor said, hey, I need you to get on a plane. I need you to meet me here. And we're going to review some things, you know. And he knew in his heart from the word of God and God speaking to him that he probably needed to stay home. His family needed him to stay home. And so he, had, he came to a crossroads. What, what I put my faith in Christ Jesus what that preacher's talking about, what that Bible talks about. Is he fully alive? And he made the courageous step, and he contacted his <clears throat> supervisor and said, you know, I, I, I just really going to ask your favor if I could just stay home. I, I know you need me down there, but man, they need me at home. And so could I just not go down there this week? He's holding his breath. He's praying. How would they receive that? And God came through, and the supervisor says, you know, I would love to have you down here, but oh, I understand that's probably the right call. We'll catch up next week. He took a step of faith, trusting in Jesus Christ to do the right thing because the word of God was speaking to him and telling him to improve his life and and to adjust his life according to what God's principles are and what the word tells him for his life. See, my friends, there's a point in our journey that we're either going to live half full, full or full. You know, I've had the privilege to be a pastor for over 30 years, and I've um, been around a lot of funerals and uh, officiated many funerals and different personalities, different people. Some funerals are more difficult than others. Uh, Some are, let's say, uh, easier, um, especially when there is a person that is full of faith that passes away because people know it. It's truly a celebration of life because the family, the friends, uh, know where that person stood. 
every day at the office or in the neighborhood, they could tell this person was full of God's word and full of faith. And it's a privilege almost to hear the stories, to hear the testimonies of this person. It doesn't mean they were always perfect. It doesn't mean that they didn't have some sorrows, and especially it was in the sorrows. It was in the situations where they saw how full their faith to trust Jesus Christ was. And, and I could tell you this, <clears throat> that one of the secret ingredients to a person <clears throat> that has a legacy of, of faith, of fullness, is that they always were filling their life with God's word. They had a, a Bible app. They had a couple of Bible books or a Bible itself. And they would take day, almost every day, to listen to that word of God, to read that scripture, right? Because their soul was getting deplenished. There was always challenges and, and tensions in their life. But the promises and the truths of Christ was filling their life to endure, to hang in there when the times were tough and disappointments. It was, it was the word of God that reminded them to stay full and faithful. So at the end of their life, people would say, that person was for real. That person inspired me. That person modeled who Christ was, and I love that person, appreciated that person. I think it begs the question is that we come to the end of our life, what would people say about our spiritual life? Would they say, well, they, they were just a pretty good person. I never heard them talk about Jesus or the Bible and didn't, not sure where they stood, and so we're just hoping they're in a better place, Right? What if we were full of Christ? What if we were full of his word? Could people look up to us? Could we impact other people? Could we inspire other people? Because this world is tough out there. Who will be the people that says, man, I'm going to pour into my life God's word. And that word is going to point me to Jesus Christ, the central pillar of my faith in my life. See, living full of faith starts with putting your full faith in Jesus. That's not about Bible knowledge, right? There's a lot of scholars out there. But it's really going to point us to the full faith in Jesus. Where does Jesus stack up in your life? And this is where it gets tough because not everybody is full of faith and full of Jesus. Most people are like, well, I'm a fan of Jesus. I appreciate Jesus, especially when I'm in need. Hopefully he comes through for me, right? But not everybody makes a decision to be full of God and the full, full of his word. But God loves you so much, and he comes to you like a disciple. Who do you say that I am? Where do I stack? And I want to encourage you to take, to take a step of faith to put him first in your life. I, I doubt there's any uh, um, atheists watching us today. I doubt there's atheists in the house. Maybe there might be some agnostics around, right? But somewhere Christ says, would you? Believe in the word of God and trust me for your salvation of your sins and for your life to guide you and put me first in your life. And this is where we have to say, God, I'm willing. I'm not sure what's going to happen in the future, but I'm willing to go with you. One of, one of my favorite illustrations of taking a step of faith to be fully faith is, is from the old movie, <clears throat> uh, Indiana Jones, the third movie, I think, called The, the Last Crusade, where Indiana was pressed to a decision point where he would have to trust in faith to cross this chasm. He wasn't sure, but he took that leap of faith to save ultimately his dad. And I think this is a good picture of where we are sometimes, where we not just have a a pseudo-faith, 
some kind of vague Christian faith, but a full faith in Christ Jesus. Let's watch this clip and see if we need to take this step. I think this is a good picture of where God brings us to. I remember in my life where God was asking me to take that leap of faith. It wasn't like I wasn't a non-believer. It wasn't that I was being a, a bad sinner person. But Christ was not central in my life. And I knew what that meant. I'm, that, that didn't mean going into the ministry. Don't get me wrong. But I knew in my heart that Jesus was not the top of my list. He was asking me, Jim, would you trust me? And I can tell you, friends, that I found him true. That he has been faithful. And he will walk with you and help you through all things, putting him first in your life. So would you just give Christ and the Holy Spirit a couple of minutes this morning? Would you mind closing your eyes? There's so many distractions out there, but Jesus went all the way to the cross for you, rose from the dead to get your attention, asking you, would you put me first in your life? Would you put me at the central figure of your faith? Have you found yourself kind of half full, mostly empty? Would it be true that you haven't spent a lot of time in God's Bible, his scriptures, his word? Maybe this morning God's convicting you, Mr. and Mrs. Christian, that you need to spend more effort in allowing his word to come into your mind and your spirit. Maybe there's a new practice, a new habit, a new Bible app plan that you need to begin in your life because you're trying to operate half-filled. Maybe this is something new to you and you kind of grew up as a Christian, you got a vague faith, you're not opposed to Jesus, but you've been living your life on your own, trying to manage it your own, make your decisions, and today Christ comes close to you and says, would you put your full faith in me? Trust me to guide you. I don't want to ride in the back. I want to ride in the front. I want to guide your life, to be the Lord of your life. So would you uh, sing along with this song, maybe listen to these words, let God have a couple more minutes of your soul. We're going to pray uh, in the middle of the song for a decision. Maybe say, yes, Jesus, I, I need you in my life. Come into my life. Or yes, Jesus, I need your Bible. I need your word more um, prolific in my life. Let's build our life on Christ and be full. So as our eyes are closed, we're just giving God some space to speak to us. Is he speaking to you? Maybe you see your soul as mostly empty, maybe just half full with him. Today, God's coming close to you to make that decision. Say, God, I want you to be the center of my life. Maybe this morning you can identify some things that offended God, some sin in your life. Would you be willing to repent of that? Confess that to him. God, you know those offenses. And by faith, invite him to wash him away, to invite him to cleanse and forgive you completely, that you can start new in Christ, the beginning of a new life in him, 
fully filled and alive for him, it just takes the decision to say yes. Jesus, I want that. Forgive me. Come into my life. I want to be full of you. Forgive me for being nominal. Forgive me for being so distracted. I want you first in my life. Is anyone here with their heads bowed would just identify that to Christ by raising your hand? Let Christ see that you're kind of serious about saying yes to him. Be fully alive. Anybody here raising your hand? God sees that hand, sees him. He knows your heart. Maybe there might be Christians here say, Jim, I, I need to fill my life more of God's word. I just haven't been in that practice and I need to start that. Would you raise your hand to, to God and even let me see that? Say, God, I, I want to do better at that. Yes, we know that. Living half full in a depleting world, empty world. We don't live our best life. Jesus, we thank you that we can build our life on you. We're thankful, God, that you do want to fill us, starting with you in your word. Help us to live for you. Help us to celebrate this filling in you and your forgiveness of sins and new life in you. We need you. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name. I invite you to stand as we close this service with this anthem and this this pledge and belief of this song, Building My Life on You.